Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. And welcome to the Action Network's Fantasy Flex podcast presented by Prize Picks. This is our week five waiver episode. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, joined by my guy, Sean Kerner. Sean, what's going on? How's your week? Yeah, so, I mean, what a letdown that Tom Brady prop, man. Uh, <laughs> he finished with 269. Not so nice. Um, Wait, so 200 and how much? 69. Nice. I think. Or 270. Either way, it was under. <laughs> And, I, you know, if Nick Folk made that field goal, that would have been fun just as a football fan to see Tom Brady have to drive down the field in a minute in the rain. Um, I, you know, it was Tuesday when I started to like that prop. And how would I know that it's going to be a monsoon? Even that morning, um, I was getting, you know, word that it, it could be just a light drizzle. So I wasn't factoring in the rain as much as I should, I guess. So like I said, anytime I lose a prop, uh, I, I try to take away some learning experience that I don't know. Um, and you know, the Patriots had a good game plan for Brady. So, uh, yeah, it sucks. It was like a comedy of errors for that under to hit. And I, I still think that was the play, but, uh, it was unfortunate to lose that one. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of totals for me that last week was just a comedy of errors. Like felt good about the jets tight and felt good about yeah. the Colts and then just a comedy of errors in the fourth, but did it kill it? Like it was a Ryan Tannehill touchdown that really, I know. And I did it. I've stopped. I've stopped betting on Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Over, but I had Robbie Anderson over 40. He had 11 targets, I think. Probably like two of them were picked, and uh, he still didn't manage to go over 46 and a half. So, yeah. Because it, he it, finished, for those that don't know, he finished with 46 yards exactly. Yeah. So, you know, half yard difference between uh, <laughs> a lot of money. But life goes on. Uh, it was kind of a weird week, fantasy wise, you know, player wise. You're always due for one of those, you know, in this at this point in the year. But uh, let's keep it going and talk week five. And let's start. At the quarterback position, and we got to see Trey Lance for the first time in uh, extended action in week four, Sean. He did not look good. He got a lucky touchdown throw to Debo Samuel that he <laughs> underthrew. And uh, so he's kind of looking like Taysom Hill, I guess, to me, which can still be very valuable for fantasy. Jimmy Garoppolo looks like he's going to miss some time with a quad injury. Feel bad for the guy. He was kind of tearing up. He was like, this is getting old real fast, you know, every year. There's something that keeps him out. But I'm just curious, Sean, you know, we saw Trey a little bit in the preseason live. And then, you know, we've seen him here and there in in some game action. But uh, what did you think of how he looked in in extended time? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, he didn't look great. Um, But, you know, we kind of knew uh, at this point, it seemed like the only way he was going to overtake Jimmy G was due to injury. 
um, because, you know, the 49ers are rolling. They, they might not think Lance is ready yet. So he's being thrown in the fire now. So it might be similar to Justin Fields where, you know, maybe he's not quite ready. They're, we don't see the practice, so we, we don't really know what these coaches are seeing. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he finished as a QB 13 and one half football. So I think that just goes to show when it comes to real life versus fantasy, I think he's a QB one in fantasy. He rushed seven times for 41 yards. Like we know he has that rushing upside. So like you said, even a Taysom Hill kind of role or, you know, play style, he's going to be a top 10 quarterback. So he's my QB 10 this week. If he can look good this week um, and we don't know how long Jimmy G is going to be out, he can run away with his job. So he was kind of the guy um, I was stashing in later rounds. If I didn't end up with the top 10 quarterback, just stashing him knowing that once he finally did take over, um, that he'd be potentially a top 10 quarterback. So I'm excited to see him play finally. Um, and I think he's the only way to go is up for now. You know, even though he didn't look good last week, he's only going to get better. So that's why I think he should be a top 10 quarterback as long as he's starting. Any thoughts on the impact? And I know we'll talk about Ayuk later, but uh, I think it's worth talking about Samuel now because his numbers are going to look good because he caught the long touchdown. And he got a second one, you know, that he created late in the game. But uh, Lance was 29th in passing grade among 32, uh, the top 32 in PFF this week, you know, without the Monday night game. And uh, he was 28th in adjusted completion percentage. Uh, the throws were not looking good. Debo Samuel has been a, a flat-out wide receiver one this year. Does Lance's insertion relegate him to more like a, a wide receiver two or, or lower? Um, do you expect some regression from Debo with, with Lance in the lineup? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm expecting some regression just because, you know, he can't keep up this 30% target rate. Um, still don't know what's going on with Brandon Ayuk, but at some point he's going to start catching, you know, three to four balls a game. George Kittle's been banged up. So I wasn't surprised to see Debo have a massive game, but I don't really consider him a consistent wide receiver one. But, you know, they still like to manufacture targets mm-hmm. to him, even carries. So he has a very high floor going forward. He, he's one of those players where I think he's going to help Trey Lance more than anything. So, yeah, I just view him as a high end wide receiver too going forward. How about you? Yeah, I think it's going to be probably more mid range. Uh, I'm worried about San Francisco in the short term. Uh, Lance did not look ready, especially throwing the football. Uh, we know Shanahan is a brilliant schemer, and a lot of what he does revolves around the run game. Because uh, you also lost Trent Williams, and that we, we remember mm. how much the Niners struggle when he goes out. You know, he's one of those guys. He's like on that Tyron Smith level where you kind of, you know, his absence is felt. And I just worry about a quarterback that doesn't really have a great feel, not great accuracy, with a, a, a you know a left tackle down. Now it's like they probably will really run heavy uh, and try to protect him. I think he'll do a lot on the ground, but I am worried about the pass catchers. And, and Debo's really been that one guy that's been consistent. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little worried about Debo. We'll have to see what's up with, with Williams. It looks like he's going to be out at least a week. Yeah, he was uh, carted off. Yeah. So I'm just assuming it was severe. Yeah, well, yeah, Shanahan said that he was worried about him. So that's never, yeah. never a good sign. Uh, let's go to uh, – Let's talk about the other rookie quarterback real quick. Justin Fields, better performance. Matt Nagy still saying Andy Dalton remains a starter when healthy. Uh, but as far as the short term, you know, Fields goes this week. Uh, we're firing him up or what are we doing with Fields here? Uh, I don't think we're firing him up. He, <laughs> he hasn't really shown much on the ground. That's why, you know, the one thing I got right, you know, we both kind of missed on his passing prop that one, that one week, uh, week three when he threw for 68 yards. 
uh, one short of greatness, but he <laughs> hasn't really flashed that rushing upside that we know he has. I, I, I tend to think he's going to be more of a pocket passer than people realize. So that's why I liked his under 44 yards in his debut. Um, and again, he followed up with, he only had three rush attempts for nine yards. So he's just lacking that upside right now. And again, you know, he didn't throw a passing touchdown. So I view him as a low end QB two for now. Um, and it remains to be seen what's up with Andy Dalton. So um, I'm, I'm fading fields in the short term. All right. Yeah. We're, so we're probably not starting fields against the Raiders. I mean, at some point, I think he breaks out. We haven't seen the Raiders play this Charger game, but, yeah. uh, you know, as we record this, one thing I will say about the Raiders, their defense is highly underrated. Uh, they're top 10 in early down success rate against the run in the past. Gus Bradley doing a great job. Max Crosby playing out of his mind. So we'll see how they hold up against Justin Herbert. Uh, but, you know, if, if there's an absolute collapse or something, maybe we feel a little different about fields. Uh, what about Trevor Lawrence? Streaming option this week against the Tennessee Titans. Zach Wilson got his first win against Tennessee in week four. Yeah, he, Lawrence is appealing this week. Uh, I hinted at it last week where I thought, you know, they're going to start to have him rush a little bit more. And we, we saw that in full display. He had um, eight rush attempts for, I believe it was like 36 yards, somewhere around there. Um, with a rushing score. So I think that's going to help elevate um, his floor and ceiling combo. But, you know, he did lose DJ Chark. That's a massive blow to Lawrence going forward. Um, you know, he, he's going to lean on, I guess we'll talk about this when we talk about wide receivers, but he's going to lean on Chenault and Marvin Jones a little bit more. But again, it takes away that vertical threat that Chark had. Um, so I think that's going to ding Lawrence a bit. So he's my QB 20 right now. He's still not really a streamer option, but certainly in two quarterback leagues, um, it, it's good to see them utilizing his his rushing skills now. So um, he's right in that QB 20 range going forward, I think. Um, but yeah, uh, he, he he's going to have some bad games going forward. And uh, I'm, you know, I, I think that they, they've shown that they're more reliant on the running game. I think James Robinson, uh, his stock went way up this week, but I'm still pretty low on Lawrence. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys still, you know, that I would prefer over Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, he's had more inter uh he's had multiple interceptions in three of his four games he's only had multiple touchdowns in one game um you know i, I look at a guy like a sam darnold at this point you know as, as a, a more reliable option i think the rushing touchdown leader right in the yeah league. no i mean hey <laughs> yeah you get what you can get you take what you can get i mean yep. even a guy you know you look at the jets falcons matchup you know matt ryan zach wilson i think those guys you know in, in two matchups of bad deep or shaky defenses um have some have some upside there. So there's a, you know, there's a, there's a lot of got Joe Burrow going against the green Bay secondary. That's a little banged mm. up. Jair Alexander uh, went down um, and they're not going to have Mixon. So, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks. I think Lance, I, I probably even lean fields over Lawrence at this point. Cause I just think there's more, uh, you know, I still think there's more upside with fields. Uh, you know, Bill laser took over play calling for the first time. I think he's going to keep it. So um, I, I'm actually a little – Trevor Lawrence still has Urban Meyer there and, no, and now no DJ Shark. So, like, like they the first the first two plays of the game, if I'm not mistaken, in that Thursday night game went to Tavon Austin and Jamal Agnew. Yeah, not so good. That's where those, the are the guy, those are the kind of guys that are going to have to step up. Yeah, they're, um, they're like Shark the ETN out. replacements too. Yeah, those are, those are like technically probably the ETN replacements, yep. but yeah uh, – so, yeah, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I know Tennessee kind of collapsed, but Tennessee came into the game uh, with number two in early down pass success rate on defense. And if you watch that game, it's not that they played poorly. It's that Zach Wilson made a couple of just monster throws 
down the field that I don't know if 5% of the other quarterbacks in this league, like there's probably Rodgers and Mahomes, like only other guys that can make those throws. And we knew that's the up, that was the upside with Wilson. Yeah. Ironically, those are, those are two quarterbacks he was compared to as, you know, having a ceiling comparable to those guys. Right. The floor is obviously much lower, uh, (laughs) but you know, that it's not like the Titans just got embarrassed by this guy that wasn't putting up points. It's that he made throws on him. And uh, Lawrence, we just haven't seen that. He's been inaccurate. Uh, he hasn't looked good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still on wait and see with him. Uh, let's go to running backs. It's kind of getting to that point in the season. I, I was just going to say, like, through four weeks, it didn't feel like we had too much running back carnage. We had the obligatory Christian McCaffrey injury. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, even Saquon Barkley made it through the four weeks. But now it seems like these running back injuries are starting to uh, pile up. Let's start in Chicago. Damian Williams. Uh, looked like a little gimpy himself coming off at the end of the game. I think he had a quad issue on the post-game injury report. But the big news, David Montgomery, uh, he got hurt with his knee. Now, it looks like he escaped serious injury, but that doesn't necessarily get him out of the weeds for uh, for this week. Uh, where are you kind of ranking Williams if Montgomery were to sit and, or on the waiver priority list, I guess? Yeah, well, that the waiver priority is complicated because we don't really know Monty's status. I guess we'll know more Wednesday after we get the MRI, but it's not believed to be an ACL, but we don't know. Um, and Monty's made a speedy recovery before last year. Heading into week one, we thought he would miss you know the first three games, and he was active week one, and he looked great. So he's the type of player that might be able to come back in time to play this weekend. We don't know. So that's why, you know, if you're desperate at running back, you, you definitely want to target Damian Williams because I think he'll be a low-end RB2 um, whenever Monty's out of the lineup. Um, he's looked really good this year. And like like you said, Damian Williams himself got banged up. I, I think it's just a fibers. He should be fine. So even a guy like Khalil Herbert um, would be a potential add. Damian Williams, he should dominate the the carries and, you know, the receiving work. Um, so I, I, I don't see any reason why he should be outside of the top 24 um, if Monty's out. So I would, you know, if you're desperate at running back and you're 0-4, I would be aggressive trying to get Damian Williams. I think probably the top priority, just based on the news we know, uh, as of now, I would say, would be uh, Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, Joe Mixon is week to week with an ankle injury. Joe Mixon was getting a ridiculous workload for the Cincinnati Bengals. So it's, it's unfortunately to say, no surprise that he went down uh, he was averaging 22 and a half touches per game was Joe Mixon uh, in his stead. Samaj P. Ryan last week, 16 snaps. Chris Evans, uh, who's more of a satellite back pass catcher, Gio Bernard type, two snaps. So this could be a situation where Mixon's out. They probably elevate somebody from the practice squad, maybe even sign a veteran. But uh, P. Ryan did step in last season. So uh, he's probably going to be the guy, at least this week, you're playing a Green Bay Packers team that probably going to have to sit back, play the pass. You know, they have Joe Barry. He's kind of a, uh, a, a Staley, Gannon kind of offshoot a little bit. I think he'll stay back, kind of play coverage, make sure they don't beat him with with uh, Jamar Chase and Boyd. So uh, this could be a decent week for Bengals running backs. What do you think of P. Ryan? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you here in my, my initial – projection rankings you know they're pretty raw right now i have p ryan as my rb 15 mm. um you know i have him getting 15 carries he's the goal line back he'll still get some receiving work like like you said chris evans is probably going to be the main pass catching back but you know he's a rookie we haven't seen it yet so p ryan could get a full workload here um you know the Bengals have been really run heavy this year 
who knows if they shift that now that Mixon's out. But yeah, I don't see any reason why Piran shouldn't be a mid-range, possibly high-range RB2, just given the matchup. They're at home against the Packers. So yeah, I think um, we, we need to get more information on Mixon's injury. But, you know, Piran's going to be um, a stud for as long as Mixon's out. So I agree. He could be the top waiver ad this week. Yeah, I mean, at this point, as we recorded, I think it's kind of unquestionable. I mean, you know, if if Williams is out, even if Williams is in, because, uh, you know, kind of doing a deep dive on the Raiders, this, you know, for this Monday night game, you know, the preview is out on actionnetwork.com and in the app. But uh, the Raiders are playing really good run defense, you know, top 10 on early downs. And especially on first down, they're averaging just 3.7 yards. They're allowing 3.7 yards per carry. So, um, you know, especially with the Bear, you know, teams kind of stacking the line of scrimmage against Justin Fields. Uh, it could be tough sledding for, for Bears running back, where I think Green Bay is in a different situation. They're going to have to protect against the pass because Cincinnati is a lot more dangerous in, in that aspect. So uh, I'd probably go P-Rod either way. We saw him get 17 touches for 136 yards and two touchdowns in week 16 last year. Uh, so we have seen him do well in extended action uh, for the Bengals when he's gotten a chance. Yep. And the, the problem is that the main variable that we don't really know is probably the biggest decider in which which of these backs is going to be most valuable, and that's which running back will be out longer, Dave Montgomery or Joe Mixon. We don't really know the answer. Yeah. So I think the yeah. more valuable back will be whichever back is out the longest, but certainly when both backs are out, P. Ryan is more valuable. Yeah, and Mixon, we've already got reports that he's week to week. So, like, that's – Yeah. So. Montgomery is the guy. They're, they're saying, okay, he escaped serious injury. Like you said, there's probably a chance he could play. So I'm just treating yep. it like my, it's going to be uh, Mixon. But – uh. Next up here on the Fantasy Flex is a segment we call Elite Entries, where Sean and I dive into the Prize Picks app and compare our player projections to the props to build some entries. Uh, tonight, we'll talk the Monday night football game between the Vegas Raiders and the LA Chargers. Sean, start us off with your Prize Picks Elite Entry for this matchup with the Raiders and the Chargers. I'm going with a sneaky prop here. I'm going with Jalen Guyton to go over 16 and a half receiving yards. I'm projecting this closer to 21, 22. Um, I think he's due to break out for you know a two catch game here. We're, we're getting wild. Um, after, you know, <laughs> he had a in week two, he had two catches for 13 yards. Last week, no catches, but he's on the field running routes. Um, we can pencil him in for 70% routes run tonight. Um, he's typically been a low target guy this year. 8.2% of the time he's run around, he's seen a target. I think he's going to regress upwards closer to 10, 11%. I know it's not much. Um, he's definitely the fifth option in this offense, but we saw, you know, in week one, when he got five targets, um, he's typically wide open. Um, he had a 5.7 average yards of separation on his targets week one, which led the league. Um, and on his three catches, um, he had an expected yard after catch of 8.3 yards. Um, so, you know, Herbert finds him when he's wide open and he typically has room to run. He's a vertical threat. So he's the kind of guy that could go over this total easily with one catch. Um, and I'm projecting him to see three targets tonight. I think they're going to have to pay attention to Mike Williams. Obviously, they're going to have to pay attention to Keen Allen and Guyton will slip through for, you know, two catches for, say, 30 yards. So I would I would bet I would pick this up to about um, 21 and a half tonight. Yeah, Guyton is a guy who, again, he just needs one catch to go over that. Uh, for me, I'm going with Brian Edwards over two and a half receptions. I have a projected closer to three point uh, three. And we've talked about this before, how much just like a half a reception is worth when you're getting an edge in these in these markets. So 
Uh, I think we both have him projected over three catches. He's gotten three or more catches in every game this season. I know they've had a couple of overtime games, but uh, you look at the matchup here. Edwards runs most of his routes uh, on the left side, and that's where Chargers cornerback Michael Davis winds up. He's ranked 106th of 107 qualified cornerbacks in pro football focuses grades and Derek Carr himself has said, Hey, we're trying, we're, I trust these guys more and more because they've done it for me in the off season. And as they kind of do it in games, I'm going to keep going back to them. So year two breakout candidate, uh, both Edwards and rugs, but Edwards has the better matchup. He's already cleared this number uh, in all three of his games this year. So I'm, I'm betting on him to do it again. Yeah. I love this prop by, like you said, I'm projecting at 3.3. So that's, I think that's like over a 60% chance. Yeah. Um, he goes over two and a half. Like you said, he's trusted throwing it up to guys like Edwards. Edwards doesn't get much separation. So if Carr is just trusting him, that means he's going to get, you know, a handful of targets here. And yeah, I like him to go over this as well. All right. So that is our prize pick elite entry for tonight's Monday night football matchup between the Raiders and Chargers. To recap, Sean going Jalen Guyton over 16 and a half receiving yards. And I'm going Brian Edwards over two and a half receptions. As a reminder, prize picks markets do move. So you want to get on that quick in order to lock in the best numbers. If you haven't created a prize picks account yet, check the link in our episode description. They'll match your first deposit up to 100 hours or Visit prizepicks.com and use the promo code ACTION10, that's ACTION10, to get a first deposit bonus. Okay, now back to the show. We saw the Eagles' backfield continue to be a nightmare. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell was more productive than Miles Sanders. Sanders did play 47 snaps to Gainwell's 29. Uh, This is one of those backfields I think you're going to start to see even out as the season progresses, and I remember talking about this with you before the season that it, it just didn't seem like the Eagles were fully committed to Sanders. Remember new coaching staff? Uh, they drafted Gainwell, obviously. At the time, the reports were, you know, okay, they're kind of checking out Boston Scott. Obviously, he fell out of the picture altogether. It doesn't really get snaps unless it's a blowout. Uh, but are you scared for Sanders here, given that he's the old regime guy, Gainwell's the new regime guy, and Gainwell seems to be gaining ground here? Yo, I'm terrified for Sanders. Scared's <laughs> not even it's it's Halloween season. I am scared out of my mind for Sanders. And I figured that Gainwell would only his role would only grow as the season goes on. Um, you know, like you said, it's a new regime. He's very talented. Um, Sanders might be falling out of favor with the coaching staff with some of his public comments. So it's yeah, it's interesting. Oh, what did he say? To, I actually missed that. Well, what he was saying that they should run the ball more, things like that. Oh, um rubbish. You no. Know, but, and, you know, I don't know if we really want the pass catching back with a scrambling quarterback like with Jalen Hurts, but it's, you know, a non-zero chance that Gainwell could just take over the lead role. Um, so I think he's definitely a must add and, you know, PPR formats just because he does have RB2 upside if he does leapfrog Sanders. But in the meantime, this might be a situation to avoid um, completely. Sanders is all the way down to like my running back 30 right now. Um, so the uncertainty doesn't help him to say the least. So Gainwell's the guy that I think uh, we should, we should be adding right now. Yeah, I agree. I think it, the writing's on the wall uh, for Gainwell to kind of take over that role sooner than later. I mean, he looks good out there. It's not like, yeah. it's not like he looks bad or he's been messing up. Uh, here's a, here's an interesting stat for you. And when here's the reason I'd be concerned from Miles Sanders, you already have Jalen hurts getting carries inside the 10. So the Eagles mm-hmm. have had seven carries inside the 10 hurts has gotten three. 
the other two, the other four have been split two to two by Gainwell and Sanders. Sanders on his two carries inside the 10, negative seven yards, no touchdowns. <laughs> Gainwell, 15 yards, two touchdowns. There you so, go. If Gainwell's, he's yes, he's the receiving back in theory because Sanders has always had trouble, uh, or lately he's had trouble in that area. But Gainwell's also becoming the more trusted and effective red zone back than what? I mean, Sanders is essentially like Amir Abdullah on the Lions back in the day, (laughs) you know, where it's just like there's nothing there. So yeah, I'm I'm worried about him. I don't, I wouldn't. You can't really sell at this point because his his value is so low. But if we see like a you know Sanders patented long runs or something, sell like a yeah. If he breaks off an eight yard <laughs> touchdown next week, that's yeah. the time to sell. Exactly. Uh, speaking of guys who likely won't be breaking off eighty yard touchdowns anytime soon, <laughs> we saw a little shift in the Ravens' backfield. We have to pour one out for our guy Tyson Williams, who is a healthy scratch over. Uh, you know, instead of being one of Le'Veon Bell, who was elevated, or Devontae Freeman. So the way the snaps broke down, Latavius Murray continued to get a stranglehold on the backfield with uh, 45 snaps to Bell's 20 and Freeman's 8. So Murray kind of playing a a, a majority uh, of the snaps here. It seems like they've settled on him as that that go-to guy, and they're kind of experimenting with, you know, everyone behind him. They gave Tyson the first crack because – they felt he earned it just by being there. Uh, now they look to be working in Bell over Freeman. Thoughts on this backfield uh, going forward, Sean? Yeah, so Latavius Murray is clearly the lead back now. He's the only guy I'm interested in. Um, he's still yet to catch a pass, though. Um, I need to look at the week four numbers, but he's been averaging like 25% routes run and still has yet to catch a pass. That's why last week I was saying, you know, I'm very worried over Tyson Williams because He's been sort of relegated to the pass catching back role, which is not valuable in this offense. Um, And, you know, they've been pointing out that he's been terrible in pass protection. So that resulted in him being inactive. I didn't see that coming. Uh, But I guess uh, Le'Veon Bell's in playing shape now. So, you know, behind Latavius Murray, we could see Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman sort of handling that pass catching work. But Latavius is the back to own. He's a bit touchdown dependent. You know, he has three touchdowns in four games. Um, so I'm not thrilled about him, but clearly he's in that role we do want um, in the Ravens offense. So in standard leagues, he's probably, you know, an RB3 flex play right now. I think he has a safe hold on this job for now, but anything can happen. We've already seen this uh, merry-go-round of running backs to the Ravens. So it's just a nightmare. And at the end of the day, uh, Lamar Jackson's their best runner. So we have to remember that. But Latavius Murray is the back to own right now. Yeah, I mean, just think about how high up we were. And I thought it was probably even a little too high, but you know, we were drafting J.K. Dobbins pretty highly, um, mm-hmm. you know, when he was healthy. And it's kind of the same role. You know, there's always going to be a second and maybe even a third guy to mix in behind Dobbins. So if Murray's going to be in that role uh, and Baltimore's defense, I mean, it's it's getting it's getting better. You know, it, it went through a lot of injuries early in the year, but you know, we saw them kind of handle business against the Broncos knock a quarterback out of the game, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of getting back, you know, you knock a quarterback out of the game, hold the team with seven points for the last, you know, what, three quarters or so. Um, so I think his role will be val- valuable. Uh, the Patriots, uh, Damian Harris, 36 snaps, Brandon Bolden, 19, JJ Taylor, four. Uh, I think we, we kind of expected it backwards, right? We, we thought Taylor would be the guy over Bolden, yeah. uh, but Bolden's been there a long time. I, I don't think he's going to be like the James White. So this is just uh, this is kind of just a positive for Damian Harris long term. Stevenson was still a healthy scratch, even though we heard positive reports. 
Yeah, and we we knew that Damian Harris, everybody would struggle against the Buccaneers, but man, this is a disaster. Um, I, I'm with you. I think Bolden's more of a short-term plan until they get J.J. Taylor um, up to speed, but I'm surprised we haven't heard like Duke Johnson or some pass-catching vet try out for the uh, Pats because I think they do need somebody. Um, this could be a situation where Ramondre Stevenson has a window to become a lead back. I don't know. The, I'm avoiding Patriots running backs outside of Damian Harris in positive game scripts. This is just a situation um, I'm trying to avoid. It's like a poor man's version of the 49ers, right? Where <laughs> No, rich man. The 49ers are the poor. Oh, man. no. How dare yeah, you? Absolutely. I'm How not, dare I'm you? Not, I'm not uh, playing with I'm not doing that. Because <laughs> at least with the Patriots, and like Bill has actually been consistent. It's been like, okay, Stevenson fucks up. Okay, bye. Like, both, <laughs> yeah, I, true. We, 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 like games like goes down, we play Bolden more. And we play Bolden more with with a week of preparation. Like it, he's been consistent, you know, in what he's been doing. And for the most right, part. I agree. We know when it's a Damian Harris week, and they're playing with Texans. So well, this is a Damian, a Damian Harris, Harris week. week. <laughs> so if Damian Harris can't perform well here, that's when a Stevenson opportunity might arise. But yeah, I think they'll get back on track here with Damian Harris. But who knows how the Bolden JJ Taylor how that situation is going to fold? But there is value. I mean, James White uh, he's out for the season, right? He's out for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, out for the season. Yeah. So there there's that pass catching role that's up for grabs. So uh, we'll be interested to see how it pans out. But I, I'm not trying to predict it right now. Yeah, and, and the Patriots have options because remember, what always has to happen on pass catching snaps is about, you know, uh, maybe 20, 30% of the time, you have to leave somebody in the block. And the Patriots have two pass catching tight ends that they can use. Um, you know, they have Jacob Johnson, the fullback. So there are options to where they don't mm-hmm. need to replace James White with another James White. They could, and Kendrick Bourne was playing well. They just got Nikhil Harry back. Mac Jones is playing well. They could go to four wide more. You know, like their yeah. offense has a lot of options that don't involve necessarily White um, as like that as another pass catcher. So, and I think that's also why they're comfortable just playing Bolden, you know, because he's going to probably pass yeah. protect. He's been there. He knows the system. Yeah, he can take a draw play for you here and there. He's not yeah, going to fumble the ball. He's been in the system for what, a decade now? Yeah, he went to Flores for like a year and played with him, like you know. So yeah, but um, he just knows the system. Yeah, so, yeah. and and that, that's probably why they're not signing Duke Johnson because Bill O'Brien's Bill Belichick's friend, and he's probably like I I coached Duke Johnson. <laughs> that dude was trash. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> well, speaking of Brian Flores, though, Dolphins running backs. Uh, I guess maybe if you're another situation where if you are like zero and four. One in three, struggling. You need a little bit of help, just a glimmer of hope. Maybe, maybe you try to pick up Malcolm Brown. Thirty-five snaps. Miles Gaskin, twelve. Savon Ahmed, five. Last week. I don't know if Malcolm Brown is a glimmer of hope. Um, you know, hopefully, you don't need to add Malcolm Brown. Uh, if anything, the takeaway from this is just Miles Gaskin's value tanked. Uh, two carries for three yards, no receptions. I said he, you know, he was atop the frozen pond because we didn't know how this running back situation would work week to week. So I'm afraid, like, we can't trust any of these guys in, unless one of them goes down. Um, but I'm, I'm still holding on Gaskin. You can't drop him. You can't sell low. But, man, that, that was bad. And I think Gaskin's still the back. Uh, I think he's going to have his weeks. But just right now, it's impossible to trust any Dolphins running back. I don't want to add Malcolm Brown. Um, I'm just holding on Gaskin and I'm not happy about it. Yeah, and it, I mean, I didn't see any report of an injury, but that's the only other no. thing I could think of. Um, cause you know, that's, you know, that's kind of what happened as the week progressed with Julio. We found out there was an injury, so maybe something will come out, but yeah, Gaskin played 23% of the snaps 
got two touches. So that's uh, not good. It could be just Flores. I, I He's a hot hand kind of guy. I mean, he was willing to bench to a mid game last year. So why would he not do that with running backs? I haven't, I, I'm like you, I've been looking, I haven't seen any injury. Uh, he just wasn't a factor um, and sort of a coach's decision. So that, that could be true going forward. It's just a scary situation. Trust any of these Dolphins running backs. All right. So now it's the time of the podcast where weekly listeners will be familiar <laughs> with. It's where I asked Sean, uh, who's the best back in the Atlanta backfield and why is it Cordero <laughs> Patterson? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we, we sort of flagged this in our first uh, waivers pod back in week two. I was like, maybe we need to pay attention to this Cordero Patterson. Um, I think after three touchdowns, it might be time to sell high. I don't know. I, I definitely want to get your opinion, but he only ran around 27% of the time. Um, and I think he's seeing a target rate like 40% of those routes. So I think regression's coming, but we could also see him just expand his playing time. So yeah, I'm treating him like a mid range, low end RB two right now. Yeah. With room to grow. And think, is he sort to. of the Kyle Pitts role that we thought Kyle Pitts would be just kind of like moving around. Like Kyle Pitts. Who's that? Where chest. is he? Exactly. He so but this whole time it was Cordell Patterson, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hey, we were right. Uh, you know, we were right in the call too of, of, Hey, Kyle Pitts, we need to pump the brakes a little bit. You know, I know, you know, Hawkinson and Andrews haven't been cons- as consistent either, but mm-hmm. the, the issue with Pitts was that you probably missed out on a wide receiver that would have, would have gave you some decent production um, in, in that fourth round. So, yeah, I don't think we can sell high on Patterson because there's still too much uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And here's something I noticed that, I don't think it bodes well for the long term. Obviously, Russell Gage out, Patterson, you know, playing a little more receiver too. But every time Pat, Patterson plays well and the rest of the Falcons kind of sputter, because he's he's now he's responsible for most of their touchdowns this year. The, the Falcons have nine touchdowns. Patterson has five of them. So he has more than half of their touchdowns. Davis, Ridley, Zacchaeus, and Lee Smith are the only other ones with touchdowns. So he's playing too well to – relegate to the bench. And here's something that I think is concerning long-term. Wayne Goldman was active for the first time. He played 10 snaps at running back. Davis still played 51, got into the end zone, but Davis had 13 carries for guess how many yards? 14, because I'm looking at it right yes. now. <laughs> so oh that my is God, hashtag so not good. <laughs> not <laughs> and, good. And, and listen, I give him Props. He had a very good, uh, I think it was a receiving touchdown where he broke a couple of tackles and kind of spun into the end zone. So it's not like he's completely washed up, but it's almost, I don't know if it's like a tip or something when, when he's on the field at running back or what, but Patterson just makes them harder to defend. He's been more effective. And let's remember Mike Davis for his career averages 3.6 yards per carry. Uh, he's had 461 carries. So I, I just worry about Davis long-term. I think that, I think the guy, I'd probably rather sell on is Davis and just yeah. hold Patterson because if Gallman starts eating into Davis's snaps on a normal week where Patterson is already being that kind of like, you know, 33 to 45% running back, it could get ugly for Davis. Yeah. I'm with you there. Um, and now would be the time that I not sell high on Davis, just sell Davis because he, he caught that uh, receiving touchdown. So yep. he had, he had a decent line at the end of the day, but yeah, I noticed Wayne Gallman being active too. So I, I'm projecting Gallman for four to five carries next week. Um, Davis is down to 11, and he hasn't been really effective with his carries either. And, you know, Patterson's eating away at his receiving usage. So 
Davis is being trapped into like this RB 35 value going forward. So if, if you can sell him for, um, man, I can't even think of options, but just, uh, you know, a low end RB two, that might be disappointing too. I don't know. Maybe a miles Gaskin, miles Sanders. I don't know. Um, but just a comparable guy that you can just get some value from him because his value could tank very soon. Yeah. If and, you could trade uh, it for Cordero Patterson, actually. Yeah, could you imagine? <laughs> that, yeah. That no way you can do that now, but <laughs> hey, you, know, you never Davis, know. Mike Davis was a frozen pond candidate. And I was like, I don't know who would steal carries from him. Cordell Patterson. No way. Yeah. So it's looking that way. So Mike Davis, he is falling into the frozen pond. Oh, he's there. Um, he's, he's averaging he's 3.1 yards per carry and, and 5.0 yards per reception. He, yeah. he, he's been completely ineffective. And talent wise. I mean, Wayne Gallman is not too far off. Like you said, you know, Mike Davis doesn't have uh, a strong pedigree. He's been in the re- league for what? Six years now. I mean, yeah, he had the good year last year, but yeah, there's no reason Wayne Gallman can't pass him up any moment right now. All right, uh, let's go to receivers really quickly. Uh, the injury impact on DJ Ch- of DJ Chark's uh, ankle injury. He went on IR. I, this probably, you know, just kind of concentrates the targets a little more around uh, Chenault, Marv Jones, Arnold, and Robinson more than I think another receiver breaks in, right? Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm avoiding these Tavon Austin, Jamal Agnew, even Tyron Johnson. I do like him, but I'm just avoiding those. Um, like you said, it's just going to be um, beneficial for Chenault, Marvin Jones. They have a higher floor ceiling combo every week. And then Dan Arnold, uh, I mean, he barely knew the playbook and he still was involved last week. So we could see an uptick with him. Uh, but I'm avoiding all these other receivers. Uh, I know people, you know, are going to ask about this, so we should cover it. Josh Gordon signed with the Chiefs. Andy Reid said he has a chance to play in Week Five. Uh, what I think would happen would Gordon's on the practice squad. He have to he would be elevated and essentially take that role long term if he was to be on the roster that Doris Fountain uh, has. You know what I mean? That that kind of sixth receiver role. But I, I don't think he's like supplanting Marcus Kemp because Kemp plays special teams or something like that. So. Just what are your thoughts on Gordon? Is he worth any type of stash, any chance that he uh, kind of plays ahead of Robinson or Hardman at some point this year? I, there's a chance for that. So I think if you're in a deeper league and you have bench space to waste, because it probably will be a waste, go ahead and take a flyer on him because, um, you know, he does have that potential. He's in the Chiefs scheme. So we love that part. I It would have been better if he ended up on like, I don't know, the Jaguars or somewhere. But since he's on the Chiefs, we can't ignore him. But we've seen this movie time and time again where he lets us down. He never performs. Um, so I'm probably not you know, racing to add him in all my leagues, but certainly in deeper leagues, he's worth a flyer. Uh, and then for the Dolphins, Will Fuller is, of course, injured again. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, my uh, I think I had him under 870 on his prop for the year. Uh, that's looking really good oh, yeah. right about now. Uh, finger injury week to week. I I like what this does for for Waddle and Parker, who essentially are playing like full time snaps with with Fuller out. Uh, and you're going against the Bucks this week, and my is that a tasty matchup? Which we didn't <laughs> we didn't think we would say, but it's kind of like San Francisco, where it's like you have a good defense, but when you have injuries at corner, I mean, and you play a lot of zone, or even if you play like regardless of the scheme, because San Francisco actually plays man, uh, but the Bucks will play zone. They'll they'll have that single high safety a lot of the time but they're just banged up here. So, I mean, I think this is actually a good Waddle Parker week. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's hard to trust any Dolphins pass catcher when they're all healthy because 
you know, they, they have to share 200 to 210 passing yards. So, you know, a lot of these guys get left out. Will Ferrell, he hasn't looked like he's fit in in this offense. So even when he does return, I'm not sure we can project them for more than three catches going forward anyways. But like you said, it certainly helps raise the floor ceiling combo of both Parker and Waddle. So we can now be interested in them as, you know, low, low end wide receiver threes, wide receiver four flex plays. So, yeah, it just it elevates their projections as well as you know Mike Kosicki so um, Fuller helps open up some targets yeah so this is a week where the Bucks should be able to score on the Dolphins which creates a situation yeah. where we could have a few more passing yards to go around not because of their efficiency but just due mm-hmm. to the game script so yeah I think this week you know Waddle's another guy I think he's he's still you're, we're gonna see a blow a true blow up game from Waddle I think his underlying usage is still really good uh as well so like Waddle and let's uh Let's close it up talking, you know, Brandon Ayuk, one catch again. You know, that's, you know, he's obviously not someone we could trust. Jamison Crowder is probably someone uh, we could trust. He looked, you know, like he was back in the mix of things. I think he'll continue to play in a slot even when Elijah Moore comes back. Rashad Bateman may be worth a speculative ad, but remember, Baltimore is not going to be a high-volume pass team. It's just more, um, you know, I think they are moving away from just flat-out run game a little. Lamar Jackson, I believe these two past weeks were like some of his highest two not the highest, but like his two second and third highest uh, passing totals or, or last week could have been at least. So uh, any thoughts on Bateman, I guess, really quick before we go to tight end? Uh, like I'm less interested in Bateman. I mean, obviously has a ton of upside. You can stash him in deeper leagues. I think with Bateman, he's going to help elevate Lamar's passing game. Um, so I think this helps Lamar. Uh, and I have Lamar as the QB four this week. Um, I have Bateman catching like two and a half balls. Um, so if anything, this just helps Lamar in the passing game. Yeah. So, uh, is Tony or Bateman? I mean, Tony's already healthy and playing, but, uh, you know, that's kind of due to injury. Uh, any thoughts on him? Yeah. I, I, Tony probably has a higher floor. It remains to be, we, we need to see how long Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton are out, but as long as both are out, I think Tony has a pretty high floor. You know, I've been bagging on him a bit, um, this year, but you know, he's shown that he can get three to four catches. They do like to design plays to him. So yeah, he's an interesting flyer. And John Ross, that was fun to see. Um, so if uh, Shepard and Slayton are out this week, if you're in a deeper league and just need a sky high ceiling, John, you can't do worse than John Ross. So um, while these two receivers are out, you know, I think Tony and Ross are worth flyers. Yeah, I think Tony might be is my favorite because he's. I think he could have some value long term. Seventy eight percent of the snaps, nine targets, and a carry last week. He could be a, like an arbitrage Rondale Moore because remember Slayton mm-hmm. wasn't playing well, and Shepard can play inside out. Uh, so you can kind of move guys around a little bit in, in this offense to get Tony on the field. And let's let's not forget Tony's like highest snap count and highest touch count, seven touches, 10 opportunities resulted in Daniel Jones, 400 yard game and a giant's first win of the yeah. season in, in a dramatic fashion with putting up uh really good offensive numbers and explosive plays against uh, the number two defense in the league coming in. So yeah. And they, they spent their first round pick on Tony. Yeah. So they, they want him to thrive. They want to play him. So yeah, he's a great ad. And yeah, even he's the guy that once, Shepard and Slayton return. He's the only guy out of those two, he and Ross, that could even have value. So I'm with you there. I think uh, Tony is the clear ad here. Yeah. Could be like, uh, remember when Odell Beckham, I think he came back like week four and he started popping. Don't compare to Odell Beckham. Let's do it. I like the Rondell Moore comparison. That's spot on. I'm a Giants fan. We got to have some type of hope here. 
Yeah, Rod- Rondell Moore is a good com- comp there. Yeah, no, it is. it's uh, like an arbitrage. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Everyone's thinking like that's the guy, but in reality, Tony could give you those numbers and better. I just have a sneaking Absolutely. suspicion that no one's too happy with Slayton right now, and Shepard has never stayed healthy. So, um, yeah. all right, uh, tight ends. I'll, I'll ask it to you this way. Uh, you know, uh, you have some streaming options here. CJ Usoma going against the Pack. Dawson Knox up against KC. Dalton Schultz, who continues to prove us wrong. Uh, you were smart for holding off that next week. Uh, I still like he, I mean, credit to Dallas and Dak Prescott, first of all, and, and Kellen Moore. They're, they're doing great things out there. But um, you have him going up against uh, the Giants this week. And uh, and then Dan Arnold against Tennessee. Uh, which one of those guys, if you had to pick one to stream, uh, would you would you go after? I still think it's Dawson Knox just because – He's running around 75% of the routes for one of the most potent passing offenses in the league. And I called that back in week two. I was like, if he can keep up the 75% share, he's going to be money. And it's, you know, unfortunately, it's come at the expense of Gabe Davis. You had mentioned they're running more 11 personnel. Yep. Um, And, you know, Emmanuel Sanders is running away with the wide receiver three role. So Gabe Davis needs an injury to be relevant again. But Dawson Knox, I mean... He's averaging 75% routes run and the touchdowns, the yards are coming. So it's Knox for me because long-term, I think he could be a tight end one. Whereas, you know, Uzoma, that might be T Higgins was out. Um, It was a good situation. He was wide open. One of those plays, like that was more of a fluky game. Um, And Dalton Schultz, uh, I will admit I I caved and I joined you on that under. So I lost again on Dalton Schultz, Uh, but he's my tight end nine right now. Like, it doesn't take the thing with tight ends. It doesn't take much right now to be inside the top 10. Um, so Schultz, he's looked good. I think Dak leans on him on certain situations. So he's, he's no slouch, but I think for me, it's Dawson Knox. He has just the most um, upside going forward this year. Yeah. He ran 23 routes to Blake Jarwin's 10 uh, in week four. So that's an improvement. Yeah. They had been pretty much splitting it even. So like Schultz and yeah, the other one, I would say if Dawson Knox is still available on your waiver wire and he, he might not be on everyone's, he's got a couple, couple of big games, but uh, if he is, you really want to, to, to lock him in this week. The chiefs are giving up uh, heading into the Monday night game. Uh, the most catches 32 and the most yards, 366. Uh, to the tight end position, also the most touchdowns, five. And they're not tied with anyone. They're just giving up. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, uh, his, d- does, I think no, the answer is no, but does Dawson Knox have any drops this year? He has a 79% catch rate. I'm assuming he hasn't dropped the pass, but I know he's working with um, hand-eye coordinator. Thing. Like he was just doing a lot of work in the offseason um, to stop dropping the ball. So um, that could be one of the reasons why the coaching staff is you know, using him heavily. He's always had the talent, but. Yeah, one drop, one drop. Oh, he uh, does have a drop. <laughs> yeah, according to oh, okay. PFF. So, you know, every side yeah. is different. Uh, but one drop on 19 targets with 15 catches, PFF has him. For, Definitely so. an improvement from last year. Last year, he was dropping the ball a ton. So, And you know what um, I love just, to see? Uh, only 6% pass blocking. Perfect. So he's running yes. routes. He's running routes. As yes, we love that. Out there. Yeah. Five, uh, four, four contested catches out of five contested catch opportunities. So, yeah, the underlying metrics are great. Josh Allen has a 137.8 passer rating when targeting Dawson Knox nice. with uh, a first down on 60% of his reception. So, uh, very, very ascending guy. It's it's going to be tough week to week, I think, because they have so many options. They have Diggs and Beasley and Sanders and even Davis, and, you know, they still have running backs. But, yeah, this is a great match. Every tight end's in – even Travis Kelsey had a bad game. Oh, so yeah. So, every tight end's inconsistent, so – 
All right. Uh, so that is going to do it for our week five waiver episode here at the Fantasy Flex presented by Prize Picks. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. You can find our fantasy football content rankings projections tool at actionnetwork.com or in the Action Network app. And you can find our DFS content and tools at fantasylabs.com. Until next time, let's get this money.